0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. It's already Wednesday. They're going to crown a new college baseball national champion tonight. It won't be us, sadly, but nevertheless, uh, it's been a, it's been a great college World Series. Other than the fact that Mississippi State didn't win enough, fair enough. I don't know about you, but as I shared with you on Monday, I am cheering for Michigan. I like parody in college baseball. I like parody in sports. I also like the fact, too, that in order for us to get effective legislative change when it comes to college baseball, we need the other Power Five conferences to be successful in college baseball. We, it, a Big Ten win tonight is a win for college baseball. The Big Ten Network should be involved in this thing. Uh, I, I saw where Eric Sorensen of D1 Baseball had said that uh, you know they should have wall-to-wall coverage, and this is the biggest game in Big Ten baseball history. And I tend to agree because there are many people out there that see the Southeastern Conference as kind of the evil empire. And so if the Big Ten can beat Vanderbilt, and it, what's amazing about that too is most people in the SEC are rooting against Vanderbilt. It's funny how that works. But this is a big moment for the game. It is good for the game, as was Clemson beating Alabama for a national championship in football. That was good for the game. Michigan winning this game tonight is good for the game of college baseball. It's already been good to see Michigan make this late run, One of the last four teams in the tournament field. They win their, uh, They, well, they go to I guess they go to Corvallis, and they beat Oregon State, the defending national champions. They go to UCLA beat the number one overall seed in NCAA tournament in their own backyard in the best two out of three series and then sweep their bracket in Omaha and they are now one game away from winning a national championship against the number two seed. I would venture to say that nobody had a tougher road to the championship than Michigan. And so if they win this, they've absolutely earned it. But again, I believe it is good for the game of college baseball in order for us to get more scholarships, and and that's the answer to a lot of problems in college baseball. In order for us to get funding for the third paid assistant coach, in order for us to get college baseball into at least a preferred sibling status rather than a stepchild, we need the Big Ten to enjoy college baseball. We need that. So this is a big moment. It's big. Uh, Now, listen, there's going to be some people that argue and say, you know what? Well, well, Steve, Michigan won a national championship without uh, a full another assistant, that third assistant coach. And and they won without, you know, uh, 11.7 official baseball scholarships. And I get that. But in order for us to get sweeping change in college baseball, it can't be. Just a Pac-12, SEC, ACC sport. I know the Big 12 kind of likes baseball every once in a while. But we've got to have Michigan on board. We've got to have the Big 10. That brings the Power 5 together. You've got to have everybody pulling in the same direction. So for that reason, and I won't say that reason alone, but that's the primary reason, is that I want to see college baseball win tonight. But also the number two reason is I don't want to see Vanderbilt win. I, I don't, because I believe that what Vanderbilt is doing is bad for the game of college baseball. They are circumventing the system. And again, as I said many times on this show, and other places, and other shows, and in writings and everything else, Vanderbilt is not doing anything that is not permissible. They're they're using the resources available to them to fund their roster. And I don't like it because we don't we can't do it. It's not a level playing field. But I don't. I don't fault Vanderbilt for exploiting the loophole as long as the loophole exists. And you know, one could probably make the argument that you know, uh, them winning, maybe shines more attention on that disparity. But Michigan is able to supplement some scholarships as well. They have some need-based aid as well. And so our 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 argument remains, you know, what it is. And and I have read a couple of comments um, from some people who were completely ignorant. Completely ignorant about what's going on in college baseball, and said, "Well, you know, you know, state fans shouldn't whine about this sort of thing. We just got to beat them. You know what? We we have beaten them, and uh, we should have beat them this year. But the bottom line is this: is if if you had a situation in college football, and I've heard you know one somebody that I respect immensely say this: if you found if if it was ever discovered that Auburn." had one more football scholarship than Alabama, the earth would move in a biblical proportion. You would have national media people crying out about the disparity and how it's unfair that Auburn had one more scholarship than Alabama. Basically what we have done now, what we are doing now with Vanderbilt and other schools that use this need-based aid, some of which without an academic component tied to it, okay? And their has got to clear the clearinghouse. It's not like they're giving this aid to non-qualifiers. But we have essentially put college baseball in, in the spotlight for undue scrutiny. And it's very reminiscent of the years before there were scholarship limitations in football. Because there were many schools, many of which they were in the Southeastern Conference, namely Alabama, that would go out and sign all these kids that... Um, You know, they weren't exactly sure if they were going to play for them, but they were certainly weren't going to play for somebody else. And so now we've got a situation now with college baseball where there are some recruiting advantages that are built in where there is an an unbelievable amount of advantage for a school like Vanderbilt because they have that huge endowment. They can fund those need-based aid scholarships. And so they can just say, you know, listen – yeah, you could go to Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and uh, you know, for books and for uh, for room and board, or you can come here for nothing and graduate without having to get a student loan. You can graduate from us debt free. We'll give you a full cost of attendance scholarship. We're not going to win that battle, guys. It's as simple as that. You know, I had somebody share with me when I was in Omaha that Vanderbilt has wrecked Tennessee baseball. You've had three different coaches because this whole this whole thing came to be in two thousand eight or so. Go look at what's happened at to Tennessee baseball in the last decade. Vanderbilt has gotten rich at Tennessee's expense, and Tennessee now just signed Vitello to a, to an extension, you know. But this, I believe, this is their third baseball coach since all this began, and look at what Tennessee has accomplished or more to the point, has not accomplished over the course of the last decade because you have lifelong Tennessee fans sending their kids to Vanderbilt because that is the better economic decision. That's the better situation. It's the better situation. You know what? We love Tennessee, but our, our child will graduate debt-free. Our child will be able to go and compete for championships at Vanderbilt debt-free. And so if you don't think that there is a competitive advantage being gained from all that, then you're kidding yourself. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. The whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. Many of you people bought your textbooks from Campus Bookmark when you were a student at Mississippi State. Now it's time to outfit the home, the RV, the pet, your office, whatever you got, with maroon and white merchandise. You can do that at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to shop online at campusbookmart.net. And you know you still want those jerseys. You you want that College World Series t-shirt. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's you, you want that. You want that for your family. And if you don't know this, and I know there, we have a lot of ladies listen to the show. Ladies, the men in your life, they want that College World Series polo. They want that College World Series hat. They, they may not ask you for it. And, and many of us are, are babies. We will ask. But there are many of your guys, they won't ask you for it because they're just out there on the grind trying to pay for everything and trying to do their part to help support family. Go ahead and reward that guy with the College World Series shirt from Campus Bookmark. matter of fact, order yourself one, too. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code to save you a little cash. The phrase it pays BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So we've got some football stuff to discuss, but I wanted to get into some more uh, college baseball stuff about this uh, collective bargaining agreement stuff. There are a lot of people... We see Jake Mangum's um, signing bonus, you know, because his slot value was well over $400,000. And I want to explain what some of that stuff means because there's been a lot of confusion. I've seen it on the message boards. I've seen it in the Facebook groups. i seen it on social media. And, and uh, it's all about the collective bargaining agreement. Now, some people are sitting there saying, Steve, what is a collective bargaining agreement? Well, I'm going to give you... Let me, let me give you the short version of this. Basically, what happens is the ownership of college baseball the management of college baseball the arbiters and the salary check writers of college baseball they broker a deal with the players union and so and this happens in all professional sports there is a union that is there to protect the rights of players so the players and the owners have an agreement it's basically a written contract of this is how we're going to handle salary. This is how we're going to handle benefits. And so basically anything that is related to the treatment of players, whether it be you know financial or whatever, you know, practice days, whatever, there is, there is an, an agreement and there's an accord in place, a negotiated contract in place of what things are going to be done, what benefits are available to players, and, and vice versa. Now, it's important for people to understand this because I don't think a lot of people do. By and large, the players' union is going to take care of the existing players first. They're they're going to look out for the veterans. They're going to get the best deal available for the veteran players. And part of that was to kind of limit some of the signing bonuses for newcomers. Now, of course, first and second round guys are going to get big dollars. That's just the reality of things. But they have put an agreement in place to kind of ensure that the veterans are taken care of and you don't have these rookies show up and just get, you know, ridiculous amount of money at the expense of veteran players, if that makes sense. And so this deal was in place. And so part of that deal is there is an established slot value. So as you go through the Major League Baseball drafting process, there is an assigned slot value, like this is the maximum, or this this is what you can afford to pay this player based on the CBA. So according to the collective bargaining agreement, we've already negotiated that, that a guy that, that you know is a fifth round player, this is what the max slot value is gonna be. And so for a guy like Jake Mangum, and Jake knew last year. He wanted to come back, but if he got a good enough situation, he got a good enough deal, got drafted high enough, he he would have gone. He and I had a discussion after that final game against Florida before we left to go to Hoover. And at that point, he just simply didn't know. Didn't know what he wanted to do. Didn't know what the draft process was going to hold for him. Didn't know what interest he would Didn't even know if he'd be drafted. you know. And so, But he had a number in mind. He didn't share that with me, but he had a number in mind of, hey, this is – listen, I can always come back and go to Mississippi State. I can always come back here because I've had a great experience at Mississippi State. And so in order for me to exchange my senior season and forego that for professional baseball, I'm going to have to get paid for that. That that matters maybe more to, to Jake Mangum than maybe perhaps some other people. Jake Mangum's also not in a situation where, uh, you know, that, that – uh, you know, Jake's living hand them out. That's not the case. You know, Jake's in a much better situation financially with a lot of other, other, other players. That's the reality of things. And so he kind of has the luxury of saying, hey, listen, this is what I'm willing to accept. And so when the draft of 2018 took place, once he found out pretty quickly that uh, kind of where he saw and, and who was and was not willing to pay that, that that money, his decision was made pretty quickly. And so when a lot of people see when he got drafted so late in 18, that is not a reflection of Jake Mangum's talent. That is not a reflection of Jake Mangum's potential. That is a reflection of Jake Mangum's signability. At that point, he was no longer willing to sign a professional baseball contract because of the fact he was not going to get the signing bonus necessary for him to forego his senior season. So I hope that that kind of explains some of that. So so, what, so here's what happens when he does come back as a senior. When he is drafted. He no longer has any bargaining power. He can't tell the New York Mets, I'm going to go back to school, because they've kind of got him over a barrel in many respects. And so it's kind of a take it or leave it type thing. And there will be some guys in this draft, who, and just about everybody signed now, that are going to sign for maybe $1,000. That'll be their signing bonus, $1,000. And that, that's just kind of the, the risk you run as a senior unless you're drafted in the first or second round. That's pretty much what it's going to be. And so because of that, here's what happens. There will be a lot of teams that will draft seniors in the first 10 rounds knowing they can short sell them and sign them for much less than a slot value. And then they can take that surplus and throw it at somebody else. So that there's a you know junior star out there that they drafted pretty early and they're going to need uh you know perhaps to pay a little bit over slot to get that guy uh to stay under their pool that's what they'll do and so you go draft these seniors it's like when chad gerardo got drafted you know chad's one of those guys that uh chad was the guy that probably got drafted a little earlier than people anticipated and uh, because he was a senior, you know, he, he didn't command a huge signing bonus. And they're able to use that money to negotiate some other deals. And so – and people see that and it's I can't believe that, uh, you know, Jake signed for a $20,000 signing bonus. Well, the bottom line is this, is that he didn't have a lot of options at that point. What's he going to do? He's say, well, I just want to sign and I'll go play independent league baseball. Uh, Jake's going into, you know, a good situation with the Mets. You know, that they – They've got a good developmental system there. They need some outfielders. And so uh, it is what it is. And so when people see that, they're kind of shocked. And then somehow people begin to think that's about Mississippi State. It's got nothing to do with Mississippi State. It's just it, that's, that's how the collective bargaining agreement works. You see, uh, Ethan Small, you know, he signed for a signing bonus of uh, just over $1.8 million, but a little bit less in slot value. But it's done. It's an official deal now. And see, and one of the reasons that, that Ethan gets $1.8 million is, number one, he's an effective left-handed pitcher, one of the top pitchers in the country. And uh, he also has the benefit of saying, you know what, if you guys don't pay me, I'll just go back to school. I'll go back to school. And so it's one of those things when you think about with our coaches uh, that uh, they're, not going to, they're not going to selfishly advise players to come back for their senior year when they're drafted early, not going to do it. Lamontis and I've spoken about this, and, and he makes a great point about this. He didn't mention any names in particular, but we just talked about juniors. You know, juniors are going to command a higher signing bonus because they have the leverage, and it's difficult to tell that guy, hey, listen, don't turn that down and come back. You know, the, the, turn down that one hundred and fifty thousand dollar signing bonus and come back and and, and get ten next year. Because here's what happens is that money gives you a head start on life. There are very few of us that are going to graduate college and then be offered a six-figure signing bonus when we accept a job. It just doesn't work that way. That's not how life works. And so if they're getting 150, dollars $200,000 or more as a junior, uh, they're going to sign that contract. And they're going to, they're going to come out and they're going, to, they're going to forego their senior year. This is how it's always worked. And it probably works now even more than it ever has. And, uh, yeah, you do see some guys come back, but it's it's rare. It's really rare. And so, as I said on this show, I believe everybody is signed now, but all of the drafted juniors are going to go. Okay, and I know as soon as we lose the ball game against Louisville, some people are like, well, maybe, maybe they'll all come back. No, not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. And as much as they love Mississippi State and as much as they want to bring you all a national championship and as much as they love wearing the M over S, they have to do what is best for them and their families. And some of these players in college baseball, not just Mississippi State but everywhere, some of these guys, you know, their parents have, have gone through some tremendous expense to support them and pay their way through school and that sort of stuff. And so it's kind of a reward to kind of get off that hamster wheel have to get started with life, take that money, you know, get, get yourself a new vehicle or whatever, and just get started with life. And so, that's that's why you see juniors go before seniors because we, we think of it kind of like football. You know, it's not like it's completely different with football. You know, you get drafted in the first round of football, whether you're a junior or a senior, whatever. I mean, you know, it, it's the way the whole thing works is just different, it's a different CBA. You're going to get paid baseball is just a different animal. Uh it's just like I read some people recently, you know, that you know, and I was surprised too that Andrea Howard didn't last longer with her uh WNBA team. You know, but she's one too that not drafted in the first round. It's it's kind of like the, the, the NBA. If you're drafted in the first round, they're going to have to make a financial commitment to you to keep you to keep you uh happy. If they draft you in the second round or third round or whatever, uh there's no guaranteed roster spot. There's no guaranteed huge signing bonus. And you become, for the most part, expendable. Nan Riello is still in town, and she's working out, staying in shape, and uh, waiting on a phone call. That's one of the reasons you see a lot of our American-born players go and play overseas, because they can go over there and, and get a check. There's a ton of them. That's what they do. Goodness, I think Darrell Wilson's still playing overseas. At least he was last year. But, you know, my my point being is that there is money to be made in professional sports, but not everybody is going to command that big check, and it needs to be understood that. And so, when you see these guys that come back as seniors, know full well that unless they get drafted in the first round, they're not going to get a big signing bonus. That's just the reality of life. That's just how it's going to work. And hopefully, today there's a full, maybe a greater appreciation of the fact that they're going to draft some of those seniors higher in an attempt to uh, to save some money because that because at that point the franchise has more bargaining power than the player does. You lose your power when you when you forego the draft and come back for your senior season at that point you you just aren't in a strong strong bargaining position uh, whatsoever. Want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company for their patronage and support of the Boneyard. And uh, I'll tell you, we, we love going down there. That is the Robertson Family Restaurant of Choice. Bulldog Burger Company is part of a family of restaurants here in Starkville that are Mississippi State friendly. Those people are committed to Mississippi State. They're committed to Starkville. They're committed to your community. So you should be committed to them. Follow them on all forms of social media at Bulldog Burger Company more than happy to serve you when you go in there you'll get great service great food at a great price and there are a few things in life that are better than a great restaurant quality hamburger that's what you're going to get when you go to Bulldog Burger Company you find your own favorites I'm a p- pimentology ad bacon kind of person when I want to go in there and just kind of throw down and feel good about life and celebrate something big that's what I order other days when I'm being a little more health conscious maybe I maybe I get the, the BLT salad you know there's a lot of things there that you can choose from It's not just a burger joint, but man, what a burger joint it is! And so, we encourage you when you're in town, go by, find your own favorites, become a regular, go where the cool kids go to break bread. That's Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet M E A T. So, uh, looking ahead here to kind of what we've got going on right now, we've got uh, so we are waiting on some football clearances and I've been working on that today kind of running down some guys getting some updates and you can read those over on Gene's page I spoke with Kareem Walker last night Kareem Walker the uh, former Michigan running back you know people forget this and it's like um, and we've talked about on the show before but Kareem Walker has shown some real flashes throughout his career he has been one of those guys that showed that he has some real potential and it's, it's really weird how it all worked out he was in many people's eyes the number one running back prospect in the country out of New Jersey. And then he signs with Michigan and enrolls at Michigan early and then begins to have some, some academic challenges there. Redshirted, played sparingly as a redshirt freshman, transferred to Fort Scott, got a little banged up there. Got, listen, and I'll be honest, by his own admission, got a little humbled by the process going to Fort Scott. Completely different deal. Not what he was used to at all. And so Walker has a new lease on life. He did not attract a lot of attention out of junior college. Yeah, he had some offers, but uh, Mississippi State, obviously, the only Power 5 offer. He jumped right on it. Committed. And there are a lot of people, and some of our own fans have been a little critical of uh, Kareem Walker, and I I don't really buy into any of that. And there's a couple reasons why I'll say that. Number one, uh, no matter what you may have thought about the decision to offer him a scholarship or sign him, uh, he's ours now. He's a bulldog now. And there will come a time we're going to need Kareem Walker to go make a play for us. This is a line of scrimmage league. There is always, always health concerns at running back. Always. And so we went out we had to get a guy, a depth guy, because we had kind of gotten off balance on the roster. We did. We didn't always manage it real well, and we had some things not go our way. You know, people forget that, uh, you know, we went out and tried to sign a big-time running back, and, and it didn't work out. You know, in 17, you go get Kylan Hill, and uh, he has been what we've expected him to be, expect him to have a huge year this year. We think he's a star in the making. And then you come out in 2018, you sign with Damian Webb, a guy that everybody really liked. He had a great camp. He had a great senior season, a former Alabama Mr. Football out of Opelika, Alabama sign him in 2018, and he doesn't qualify. And so that leaves a gap in your room at running back. We go out, we chased John Emery last year, thought we had him, and really went all in. And in many respects, I think kind of hurt our standing with some other players. And so then, then at that point, Mississippi State has to adjust. And so you adjust, and you go get Lee Witherspoon, who was a late bloomer. And then you know you have to go get a guy, a depth guy. You understand that. And listen, when we were first beginning to court Kareem Walker, there was absolutely no guarantee that Dick Gibson was going to come back. People forget Nick Gibson has graduated college. He could have left this year and been a grad transfer. That's one of the best recruiting jobs Mississippi State did is to get Nick Gibson back. Now, you could make the argument and say, hey, there's no guarantee you start somewhere else. You're going to be our number two here. And uh, if you're going to be a number two somewhere, you you might as well be here where you're known and loved, you know the offense, you know the personnel, you know your team. You know, that sort of stuff. But we were facing a real depth crisis at running back. And so you have to go get a guy who can come in and kind of get some carries for you. Because I'll be honest with you, I expect Mississippi State to hammer you all off yet. I think that first ball game of the year in New Orleans will be a lot of fun. I think we'll run the football a lot. And I believe that we're going to go down there and beat them pretty good. Now, in the fourth quarter of that ball game, and let's say states up, you know, three or four touchdowns in that ball game. I don't, I don't want Colin Hill out there taking hits. I don't, I don't know what you guys are expecting, but it's it's a long season. I don't want Colin Hill to be out there in a game that's been long been decided out there taking unnecessary wear and tear. We saw last year, you know, he he's the guy that'll play through the pain as much as he can, but he got a little banged up at times and, and even missed some time last year. And so we're going to have to have some people out there to, in, in many respects who are kind of casualty soakers. We're going to have to have somebody to go out there and kind of salt the game away or kind of be out there to, to kind of save some wear and tear on your running back, on your primary running back. And that's where Kareem Walker comes in. And so when I, when I, I see and hear these comments, it makes me cringe a little bit because, number one, I think it's, it's, it's hurtful and spiteful. Number two, I also think it's people that don't understand the game of football because you're gonna have to have a third running back. It's as simple as that. I don't know if the guy ever gets a meaningful carry at Mississippi State, don't know, don't know. But I do know this, if all he does is comes in and helps carry some of the load and maintains some balance in the depth chart and saves wear and tear on Colin Hill and Nick Gibson, we have gotten our scholarship and then some out of him. That's the reality of things. Now he's not going to be here uh, for the first or second summer session. And that, that, that is a concern. Now, again, we're not expecting him to start, but uh, the fact that he's, you know, he's not here, uh, is it's a concern, but uh, he does tell me that you know, he is in regular contact with Terry Richardson. He is uh, working through the playbook. He is working to prepare uh, to come in and, and, and be impactful on this offensive system. And so, We'll get him in. We'll get him going. He, he says he's just simply waiting uh, for everything to be cleared, and then he'll be here and ready to go. But, again, Kareem Walker is a Mississippi State Bulldog. And so now it's time for the Mississippi State Bulldog fan base to get behind Kareem Walker because there will come a time in a ballgame we're going to need him to go make a play for us. It's the reality of life. What happens if Colin Hill, you know, has an ailment that limits his availability one ballgame? And then Nick Gibson, let's, let's say Nick Gibson goes up there and, and breaks one for, you know, 45, 50 yards or whatever, and he's a little bit winded, and we've got to send Kareem Walker in to make a play. And and so I begin to look at all this and think, okay, if we don't have Kareem Walker, we're going to be dependent on the true freshman or walk-on. I'm going to pick Kareem Walker. I'm, I'm going to pick the Under Armour All-American. I'm going to pick the former five-star in that situation because I know he has it in him. And it could be a situation where he just hasn't had the right coaching. He hasn't had the right mentor to kind of get it out of him. And so if he comes in here, let's, let's say we get you know 1,200 yards from Colin Hill, or 500 from Nick Gibson. You get a couple hundred from Kareem Walker. I think you've done real well. I'm not expecting him to come in here and win the Heisman. We didn't go sign him expecting him to come in here and change the offense. We signed him expecting him to come in here and provide depth. And that's what he's going to do. And so getting him here – is an important part of things, not for the future of the program, but for this year. We're going to need him to make a contribution this year. Colin Duncan's a guy we're still waiting on, and and here, these the other two guys, Brandon Cunningham, Colin Duncan. We don't expect either of those guys to see the field this year, at least not in meaningful snap time. They, they may get some some reps or some snaps, you know, as part of their four game and maintain their red shirt. Uh, but you know, we're needing to get those guys cleared. I think there's a really good chance right now. I, I think probably the best chance we've had in some time uh, to get everybody here. You know, I, I don't think we're going to be sweating these things out. I really believe that we're going to – I think we're going to go 100%. I think we'll bat 1,000 on qualifiers this year. And that tells me a couple things. Number one, Mississippi State's doing a good job identifying guys that will be full qualifiers. And some of these guys require a little more work. Some of these guys you know, have to get serious and kind of refocus their energy uh, and find a way to to, to to get to get eligible, and uh, the only way to do it is through hard work. But you know, we have had some years in the past where we have had non-qualifiers, and I think that's one of the things that when you begin to, to kind of work through all of this, and you look at this 2019 class, you're going to have a great chance to get everybody in. You go back to 2018, you had three non-qualifiers: you had Malik Keith, John John Caris Patterson, uh, LaDamian Love, Webb. Pardon me. But uh, you know those guys signed. We were excited about all of them. We expected them all to be contributors. They're not here. They're not here. Now, we expect to get a couple of those guys back. But the bottom line is, is that uh, had they had two years of college coaching, two years in our system, two years in our strength and conditioning program, they would be ready to be impact players. They wouldn't be newcomers a year from now trying to figure the whole thing out. Uh, you go back 2017. You know again. You feel really good about life, but uh, Noah Ellis doesn't qualify. Josh Cooper doesn't qualify. Montrevius Richardson doesn't qualify. Jaquavius Collins doesn't qualify. We didn't expect. We, we Jaquavius Collins was a sign and place guy, but you know the Noah Ellis thing. That was you know he was a late four sign four star signee type guy. We, we we were told that he was going to sit out to get eligible. Didn't happen. And then you lose Josh Cooper and Montrevious Woodson in junior college and either one of them comes back. And those were Mississippi State's decisions not to re-sign them. But when you begin to look about, look at that you know, offensive line recruiting for a while, that year on paper on signing day was clearly the best offensive line signing group I think that John Hevesy had at Mississippi State. And then two of the central parts of that class don't make it. Uh, and so... That's one of the things that I look at and say, you know, it's not just about what happens on signing day, it's what happens on reporting day. I can't develop guys that aren't under my supervision. I can't develop guys that uh, have to go to junior college. And while there are some great junior college coaches out there that will get those guys ready to go, it's not the same. You go back a year before that, 2016, Nero Nelson doesn't make it doesn't, and doesn't come back. You know, that was, again, a Mississippi State decision. I don't know where Nero is now, but that was an explosive player, and uh, he, he was a guy that I think that uh, you could have helped on either side of the football, but he's not here. And so when you begin to think about all of these guys collectively, I say, well, you know, we're a little bit slim at depth on offensive line. You know, we're a little bit slim at wide receiver, and we've got to go out and get a grad transfer. We've got to go out and do these things. Well, th- this, this is why. This is why you have to go do those things. This is where your depth comes from. And so now you look at 2019, and if you're able to get to about 1,000, it'll be the first time since, uh, I think, 2014. I know in 2015, Dante Jones didn't qualify. We did get him back after prep school year. But when you begin to look at some of the thin spots on the Mississippi State roster, they kind of coincide with the fact that some of these non-qualifiers. You go back and you begin to look at these things, and you realize it's it's no surprise that uh, we've got some thin personnel groups. It's just one of those things that happens. You know we haven't had a ton of transfers and I do apologize, fourteen we actually had four guys not make it. You know, we had four guys not make it. So and that's Ravion Pierce, Deshaun Cooper, Jordan Harris, uh Durr. You get Durr back, but uh didn't even re recruit Jordan Harris. Ravion Pierce ends up at Syracuse and Deshaun Cooper uh, we ended up dropping him. So it it is a rarity for Mississippi State or it has been for some time to have all of the signees qualify and enroll for participation. And we talk about recruiting rankings and we talk about, you know, four stars and five stars and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter what a kid rates if he never makes it to campus. That guy can't help me. Can't help me. And I'm sitting here looking at numbers while I'm talking to you. I'm I'm trying to go back and remember a year when we had everybody come in. And uh, I'm all the way back to the, to the Cord Sandberg year. You know, we signed Cord Sandberg and Donald Gray. And those guys don't come in either. You know, and so we eventually get Donald Gray back. But the bottom line is this is a rarity at Mississippi State to get everybody in. And so in the event that we get everybody in, I think that bodes well for the future, it bodes well for your depth, and also puts you in a situation where you can kind of prepare to kind of move forward as a football program and not have to reevaluate your recruiting needs the next year. You know, because there's going to be guys that are going to be graduating and moving on. But if I've got to go back and address a need that I thought I had the previous year, then that puts me that much farther behind. Uh, so, again, we'll have some updates on that. I've, I've spoken to uh, Kareem Walker and Brandon Cunningham in the past 24 hours, and I'll have updates on those on Gene's page. We'll have those uh, posted for, for VIP members to read. And you can kind of get their thoughts and comments. And, and these guys are in regular contact with your coaches. They're well aware of what's going on on campus. They're you know, they hearing about the workouts. They're hearing about what to expect. They're being encouraged. And, you know, for some of these guys, it was just a matter of, of timing. You know, they did the work and had to wait for the clearinghouse to give them the stamp of approval and just couldn't get it done in time to get it in for June. Uh, for Kareem Walker, situation, it's a little bit different. He had some some other coursework he had to take. Uh, but the bottom line is the haze in the barn now for the most part. And so now we're kind of finishing up and getting ready to, to kind of push forward with this. And and, and listen, fall camp's going to be here before you know it. That's one of the great things about that elongated baseball season is uh, those dog days of summer, you know, when we don't have much going on. That doesn't last very long for us. We've kind of gotten accustomed to postseason baseball. I uh, Wish it would last it another week for us, and then we could bask in the glow of our first national championship. But that's coming. It's a matter of time. It's coming. I know we get tired of hearing about that. We always think it's next year or two years away or whatever. Uh, but it's great to be able to have something to root for pretty much year-round because when we get through this, now we're in the dead period for, for recruiting, then we'll come back out, and the next thing you know, we're in fall camp. Then the high school football will start flying, and we'll, we'll get out, and we'll cover those guys, and we'll have uh, have some highlight film for you. We'll have some fresh interviews, some fresh pictures, and that sort of stuff, and we'll always be uh, uncovering junior prospects and that sort of stuff. So we'll have full coverage of all that stuff. And then we're going to be in football season. But Before you know it, we're going to be in the uh, Louisiana Superdome or whatever they're calling it these days. But we'll be in the Superdome in the air condition enjoying a Mississippi State football game. And uh, many other people will be out there getting you know, sunburned to a crisp Labor Day weekend. But we will be in the uh, the controlled environment of the New Orleans Saints football home. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to kind of having some time to uh, to kind of reconnect with with life. And uh, as you guys are well aware too, that um, the writing process for Stark Villains is done. I'm kind of waiting now. Uh, it's a waiting game for me now. I, I have submitted all the edits, done the rewrites, gotten all that stuff in. You know, we've got a few pictures we got to collect. And then there'll be, you know, the, the final edits will come back around. And then I'll have to sign off on some things. And then we'll have a release date for you guys. And uh, really excited for you guys to read this book. And everywhere that I go and everywhere that I see Mississippi State people, People want to talk about the book and, and what they what should they expect? And I'll tell you, and so I've shared on the show many times. It's been one of the greatest joys of my life to speak to so many of our former coaches and players about their favorite moments in the rivalry against Ole Miss. And again, this is a pro Mississippi State book. Now, I didn't write about many losses <laughs> to Ole Miss in the book, but uh, hearing Greg Carter talk about that four, four overtime game, the, the big win there, and what that meant for Mississippi State, kind of moving forward as it preceded an SEC championship a year later. You know, those kind of things, hearing those behind-the-scenes story about how those guys, you know, there were days they didn't even want to go to practice. They planned a revolt. You know, it's uh, now that everybody's had a little distance, you know, sometimes they're willing to talk about those things and kind of share some moments that uh, maybe weren't privy to the public before. But I look forward to you guys reading that. I'll have a release date for you. As soon as I get it, we'll let you know. I'll put it out on social media. I'll let you guys know here on the show. But you can go ahead and begin to identify as a Stark Villain by ordering your Stark Villain gear at StarkVillains.com. You've got T-shirts, uh, hoodies, everything you can imagine, V-neck shirts that are so popular these days. We encourage you to be a part of that because I'm telling you, once you read this book, uh, you're going to want to identify as a Stark Villain. Because there's so many things about Mississippi State. You know, that I had heard about that I had not really done the research on or, really, or heard firsthand from the people who lived that stuff, uh, that I think it's important for you guys to know. And uh, I, I'm really, really excited about the book. And there's so many stories that I wanted, as I learned about them, I said, you know, we need to document these for future generations. We need to, other Bulldog fans to kind of understand the sacrifices, and in many cases, you know, the, the difficult times that Bulldog fans faced. It was, uh, it was not always the best of times. And I think about how spoiled we are today. It's crazy. I mean, it really is. I mean, we are competitive on all fields of play. We go to postseason in just about every single sport. Almost to the point that we take that for granted now. And there were times that we would have done anything to win. We would have done anything just to have anything to smile about. And there were many years that uh, if we beat all missing the Egg Bowl, that was really all we had to smile about. If people forget we didn't go to a lot of bowl games. We didn't have the um, we didn't have the, the state legislature kind of guaranteeing us that we would sell all our tickets, you know, for those bowl games. We, you know, we didn't have the legislative muscle that Old Miss had for many, many years. And times have really changed in many respects. It, it's it's as probably as even as it has been, even though Mississippi State still has to you know, fight through some of that. I, I don't think I fully appreciated, you know, the sacrifices of those early dogs. You and know, sacrifices of those early Bulldog players. And many of those people came to Mississippi State because they knew they had an opportunity to play here. It's, as, it's as, as simple as that. They knew Mississippi State didn't have a lot of tradition, didn't have a lot of talent. They could come here and play because they wanted Mississippi State to be better. Interviewing Dan Bland and Bill McGuire, and uh, Coach Bob Tyler, Rocky Falker, Howard Lewis, John Bond, Robert Bell, Brantley Jones, and hearing them talk about what Mississippi State means to me, not just what beating no Miss meant, but what they expect in the future for Mississippi State and how much they enjoy the fact that they laid a foundation for Mississippi State athletics, that they were part of things of changing a culture in Stark where we began to really care about athletics. People forget you know, that uh, the, the Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry began long before Mississippi State even existed. As Dave Murray now talked, there was a rivalry before there was even rivals. It's as simple as that. The state of Mississippi, we've always had a, what amounts to a caste system. And it was no more apparent than in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And that is evident early on. And that's the thing, is uh, we have been at odds throughout our history with the haves and the quote have nots and it's just spilled over it's just spilled over into athletics. You know, it's we, we became an identity and, and there were those that uh, were the bourgeoisie in the state of Mississippi that uh, felt that some people's kids weren't good enough to go to school with their kids. And so from that resentment, that bitterness, that pettiness was born a rivalry. And that's what Stark Villains is about. It begins in the infancy. Of all of that and then works through uh, modern day and the consistent theme and every bit of that is these former players of ours that maybe didn't know what they were signing on for when they went to Mississippi State they had an idea but they didn't know for sure and then they got here and they discovered not only was it what they hoped it would be it was all of that and then some and so I look forward to you guys enjoying this book and and if you if you enjoy it even one tenth of I, of what I have done writing it it'll be a tremendous uh, moment for all of us and uh, I can share with you that uh, there's so many people that were so generous with their time with me and and so generous with their stories and uh, there's so many of them that thank me for remembering them and, and I, I think to myself how could we ever forget them and their contributions to Mississippi State and so I look forward to you guys having that again at StarkVillains.com get ready it's coming. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.